Hello, and welcome to the Saratoga Podcast. Happy Wednesday, Adam Israel. Hey, Robin, how are you? I'm good. I feel like I have, we've missed a couple Wednesdays because June is like, I don't know if it's like this for you, but it's basically my Super Bowl month. I've got, for those who don't know, I've got four kids. They're little. Three of them have birthdays in June. It's the end of school. It's kind of a wild month. And so um, I've missed you guys and I've missed our Wednesday podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've slept a little, but we're back. We got a lot to cover. We do have a lot to cover. It has been, as per usual in Saratoga Springs, it has been one thing after the next. And there's been a lot going on. Um, In politics, there's been a lot going on because we have a primary this month. Um, June 27th, we have a mayoral primary between Chris Matisson and Ron Kim. And we are lucky to have uh, Chris Matisson coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to have him on the podcast today. Um, We have a request in to uh, Mayor Ron Kim. We're hoping he joins us next week so we can have him on as well. Um, And they recently had a candidate forum where for the first time we got to see the two candidates together. Um, that was hosted by the League of Women Voters, and that was on Monday night. I don't know if you got to catch that at all, Adam. Yeah, I, I watched that. And, and one thing, you know, before we get going today, I want to talk to you about because yeah. uh, it's something that you're involved with where uh, Mayor Ron Kim said that, you know, as, as most people know, that the, there's, there's a number of uh, previous city council members and employees being investigated by the uh, New York State AG but Mayor Kim came out and thought, said outright, uh, and, and he is an attorney, so he is, you know, he is, a, he knows legalese, he knows what his words means. He said that he believed that you guys violated the law in this debate, and that just kind of struck me as something as this process unfolds that would be interesting for our mayor to say. And I'm just wondering if you if you have, you know, want to respond to that or have any comments on that? Yeah, it's funny you brought that up. So, so yeah, so on Monday night, the League of Women Voters had this candidate forum. Um, and Chris Matisson and Ron Kim were on it. And one of the, I think the question you're talking about, because obviously I I was watching and I remember this being said because I was pretty upset about it. Um, One of the questions that uh, was asked was about uh, maintaining order during city council meetings. And Mayor Kim's response, in his response, um, he referenced this attorney general investigation. And in doing so, he... (laughs) He said that the previous administration was being investigated and just said that as like a blanket statement. And then he said he believed that we had violated the law. And I was like aghast because, first of all, the attorney general is investigating. They issued subpoenas almost a year ago. Um, Everyone's complied with set subpoenas. Ron Kim has no special connection to the attorney general's office. He hasn't, he's not privy to that information. He, he doesn't have any special insight into how this investigation is going, nor does anyone. Um, you know, I have not been deposed, but I look forward to being deposed at some point in the near future. So none of us have any idea how this investigation is going. So for, for the mayor of our city to jump to the conclusion that the previous administration has violated the law and to make that as a blanket statement as the mayor of our city is so irresponsible is is so i I just thought i just thought it was an egregious thing to say especially as an attorney as someone who understands do should understand due process and that 
you wait for an investigation to be concluded. I mean, this isn't Jack Smith, right? Who just kind of came out with an indictment and unsealed an indictment, you know, that previews a case that lists evidence, you know, that, that, you know, a grand jury came up with an indictment. This is not that. This is literally an investigation where information has been requested and that's all we know. And so for Ron Kim to come to the conclusion that the law has been violated and to say that as our mayor, I just thought that was, I just thought that was insane. And I think he owes us an apology, to be honest. And I think it's, I think it's a dangerous and damning thing to say as the, the de facto representative of our city. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Just wanted to cover that point because it is, you know, it does evolve you. And it's one of the, the benefits our viewers have of having somebody who was a, a, a commissioner last last uh, last term and getting the insights from the from the front there but um all right well with that being covered we you know what wait, else, what i want to get got? your opinion on that really quick because wouldn't wouldn't you agree that that yeah well my you know my opinion is that he is supposed to be representing the city and the, and the citizens so that potentially whether he believes that or not could could uh hinder any lawsuit against the city unless uh you know hinder the the residents of the city with a with a financial burden so i would i would have hoped he would have just you know kept his mouth or not at least made those accusations that a law was broken certainly can reference the investigation that's no secret but the fact of you know uh, trying the case himself before the before any facts have been presented i think uh were was a little um a little callous on his point but yeah case i mean anyway yeah. Um, he also, in that answer, talked about he was as a kind of a point of pride. And by the way, we would play you these clips, guys, from the League of Women Voters Forum, but they're very strict about not sharing clips um, from this event. You can only share a link to like the entire hour long forum itself. Otherwise, we'd be playing you these clips. Um, but he also made reference to the fact that um, he's presided over 80 meetings. Um I don't really know what meetings he's counting because there's only two city council meetings a month. So there certainly have been nowhere near 80 city council meetings, but he kind of made it a point of pride that only two of those meetings have been adjourned because of protesters or disruptions. And I just kind of thought that was a little bit, I was kind of amused by that because I'm not sure that should necessarily be a a point of pride um, when you're talking about your ability to lead a meeting. Um, I don't know if you caught that at all, Adam. (laughs) I did, I did, and in hopes of getting Mayor Kim on, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, <laughs> no. I'll reserve judge. I'll be a, a neutral party in all of this, but uh, yeah, certainly he he did reference the the meetings we had, and and you know meetings being shut down is is an issue for this city, and disruptions in our city hall is something that's really taking a lot of resources from the city, uh, yeah. time, uh, money, and 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 so forth. So uh, anyway, it it was in terms of having Mayor Kim on for an interview. I'm guessing that likely I will not be involved in that interview. I think that will probably be best in terms of having the most productive interview possible, because as I've said in the past, I think uh, I think Mayor Kim has a very challenging relationship with the truth. And so I think probably it would be better for me to not be one of the people interviewing him. So I'll just throw that out there if that sweetens the pot on his end at all. But um, we're also missing Dan, which I should address for our for our viewers. Dan is in Vermont having some R&R. Dan, we miss you, buddy. Um, if you're watching, which you're probably not because you're in Vermont, they have horrible Wi-Fi. But more importantly, hopefully you're enjoying yourself and your family. But we miss you, buddy. And Dan will be back next week with us. Um, 
And so, because normally he's our neutral guy. Normally I can get Adam to get, you know, have some little controversy with me. Yeah, although Dan's been taking some stances lately that I yes. want to talk to him about. But uh, but I guess we'll save it for the next show when he's here and can can uh, talk about talk about it because he's getting a little fiery in his uh in his Saratoga report columns there. So I know he was getting a little fiery. He had kind of a little bit of a rant there. I I you know what I dug it though. He's usually so buttoned up and you know. Yeah. When the man's got an opinion, he's got an opinion. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So um, any other stuff from that forum that you wanted to talk about, the League of Women Voters Forum that came up that, that you found of interest? No, you know, it's it's the same. I always have a problem with debates in this city because they're just kind of blob, you know, feel good. I know I, being being involved in a debate two years ago, I know a lot of what's said. Uh, none of it's really followed up upon. It's it's people can kind of say what they want in these these issues. I don't know how much they swing the pendulum. And I'd be really interested, actually, if anybody's watching this, if if they do if they do make decisions based on these debates. These debates seem to be really focused on people like you and I, Rob, and people who really like watching uh, and paying attention to local politics. But for the general the general population, I just don't know. Uh, how often and how, how how much information they glean from these debates. But if anybody does, I'd be really interested to hear from you about what your thoughts were. Yeah, I, com I completely agree. Like if you have watched a League of Women Voters forum and it's really changed your opinion on who you're supporting in a primary election or a general election, let us know because I kind of, I tend to agree with Adam, especially the way the league formats them. It's really not a debate. They call it a candidate forum. It, it kind of runs more like a get to know you forum rather than a debate where the candidates can kind of spar back and forth with each other. And so I find that it kind of just reconfirms who people are supporting for rather than moving the needle. Um, last, was it last year? Two years ago, uh, Saratoga Today had a more of a debate style debate. Uh, there were things about it that I thought were a little odd, but it, it lent itself to a bit more of um, going back and forth with the candidates. And, and kind of being able to criticize uh, your opponent a bit more, whereas the League of Women Voters literally states in their um, in the beginning that you are not to attack the candidate, your opponent at all, which is like, you know, it's freaking politics. Like attacks are inherent to politics. You should be able to criticize your opponent in politics. That's, I mean, that's, that's what politics is. You know, you can't just talk about like sunshine and rainbows in yourself. You have to you have to call out the weaknesses of your opponent, in my opinion. So not being able to do that is kind of, you know, makes it inherently a little snoozy. But anyway. All right. Should, yeah. should, should we get to our, our, our guest? Yes. Yes. So um, one man that doesn't make politics snoozy is our upcoming guest. Here he is. Hello. Hello. How are you all? I'm good. Commissioner Matisson, thank you. Welcome to the program. I'm really happy to be here. It's funny, the other night when we were doing the League of Women Voters uh, debate, I was here at my computer and we were all getting all set to go and I couldn't hear a thing and I had to take my iPad and rush upstairs and set up very quickly on my porch uh, with very bad lighting and the odd angle that you have on the iPad. I couldn't figure out what the problem was and today I realized that what had happened was I didn't push the power button on my speakers. So um, that it was a pretty simple solution. I, I, at least I know now what I did wrong. Yeah. But we'd uh, like to point out too that IT falls in the finance department. So, <laughs> so as mayor, 
<laughs> you can I get some help. Yes. No one ever ever has any con any concerns about me competing with them in terms of IT issues. Uh, so it's well, not my I, area of expertise. You know, I will say it's kind of a shame that they don't do these things live anymore. You know, yeah, I agree. Because I, I do think it's just you just get a better forum in general when people are in person. You know, I couldn't agree more. And you get an audience reaction. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's much more spontaneous. I think. Um, yeah, it's obviously it's you know this is a substitute for that, and it's better than have uh, have some opportunity to to present your your points of view. Um, and I, I again, I appreciate the League of Women Voters for what they do, um, but it would have been nice to have it live. Yes, I agree. Well, since we're talking about it, any reaction, you know, highs or lows for you on Monday night and how the forum went? Uh, what was your takeaway? I thought both people, both of us, did okay. <laughs> I don't think anybody made any big mistakes, which is really good. Uh, I, you know, there's there, there are so many things that we never got to. Yeah. Um, and I agree with some of the comments that you were making about the fact that uh, you know there isn't the opportunity to to really follow up the way you would like to. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It was, it, it's nice to have that opportunity, and I certainly appreciate their work. Chris, let me let me, let me ask you. I, so the yes. Chris Matisse I knew was Chris Matisse Jr., your son. Yeah. I grew up with him. We went to school yes. together. Yes. Great guy, great football player. Yeah. Uh, so you've been in the city a long time. You see, I've been in the city since I was uh, uh, three and a half. Uh, Chris was actually born here. My my other two kids, my older kids, were born uh, when I was in dental school. They were born in Teaneck, New Jersey, but Chris was actually born here. In, at, uh, at at Saratoga Hospital. Chris was born in Saratoga Hospital. At the time Chris was born, they were doing construction on Saratoga Hospital. And they had this enormous uh, machine that was tearing down parts of the hospital, making enormous noise. So he came into the world that was very, very loud and uh, not very pleasant. Poor kid. But uh, yeah. But he, uh, yes, he's, he's an attorney. He works in New York City, but he lives in Saratoga Springs. So his wife and his two kids live, really live around the corner from me off of Tate Lane. No. And um, they, uh, you know, they, Chris is gone usually two or three days a week. He takes the train to New York. And Corey is here with the two kids during the week. And she works for J.P. Morgan Chase. So we really enjoy, like, being backup parents to to, to them, to yeah. little Magnus and Junie. Well, being, and then being, we have four other grandchildren. But they're not local. They are in other cities. Being here as long as you have, you've seen, obviously, this city go through incredible growth. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and in many good, a lot of good ways, that, you, know, you know, there's some some controversial ways. How do you see as as mayor? How, how do you, you know what's your what's your um, what would be your plan for the for the future of the city to continue with this growth, to mitigate the growth? To OK, so, yeah, I, I was here. Uh, since we, I moved here in 1954, the city has, has changed a lot. So I've seen Saratoga Springs in the 50s and 60s and the 70s and the 80s, etc. Um, and I practiced dentistry downtown for for uh, 30 years before I moved over to West Avenue in 2008. So I spent a lot of time downtown. I spent a lot of time, you know, with a pretty good pulse on the city. Um, I have a great respect for the people who were behind the comprehensive plan. Paid a lot of, of attention to the comprehensive plan as was being developed in the late 90s. And the comprehensive plan of 1999 and 2001 were really um, very impressive documents. I was in the Zoning Board of Appeals for seven years. And because of that, I attended a lot of planning and zoning conferences um, and interacted with people from across the state. 
And they look upon Saratoga Springs as a really good example of what planning and zoning should be. Our comprehensive plan focuses our development uh, to an urban area, an, an urban downtown um, that helps to create a successful downtown, which is very important. At the same time, it prevents commercial and residential sprawl in our Greenbelt. And it maintains the charm of the city. Um, I think it's extremely important that we continue with that. I know people look at some of the building downtown and say, this is awful. I don't think it's awful. I think it's a way of maintaining uh, the success that we've had over the past 20 years. I think that this is the way to make this, uh, the city grow uh, without all the negative effects of that growth. Uh, you're not tearing up your green space. You're not creating more, right. more streets to plow. You're not creating more infrastructure to be, to be have, having to take care of. Um, and you really uh, create a, a walkable uh, city. People aren't as, as dependent on, on cars. Um, it's not the sprawl that you see in, in Wilton and Clifton Park and places like that. Um, and Saturday, again, Saturday Springs, not only is it well-respected for its planning and zoning, um, but it, is, it certainly is one of the most successful cities in the state of New York, even in the entire Northeast. So, so people want to be here. We're doing something right. We need to continue to respect that. My concern was in 2004, well, from 2013 until the comprehensive plan, the last comprehensive plan was approved in 2015, there were people who were on that committee who were trying to cash in on a comprehensive plan, cash in on our city, basically try to undermine the comprehensive plan. That scares me. We need to make sure that the people who are on these committees in the future understands the understand the importance of maintaining the values of that comprehensive plan that have been so successful in protecting our green belt and maintaining the success of our downtown so so in sum i have always known you as a staunch defender of the green belt and that's something yeah. we can count on moving forward absolutely yes absolutely and and again i think it's extremely important that the people of our city have a better understanding uh, of why the city works so well and, and what these attributes are to this plan and when, why it's so important. Why our city is so different from other cities. Um, there's an awful lot, of, awful lot there um, that uh, has to do with why we've been so successful. Well, you know, I will say as someone who moved here and what you guys who have lived here for so long would say was fairly recently, which was back in 2008, 2009, it's 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 really hard to understand, like the, you know, the, our land use sports, how they work, how our zoning laws work. I mean, it's it's very confusing for someone who's moved here recently. And I yeah. think um, it would be, I think it would be an interesting kind of uh, project um, for our city government and specifically the mayor's department because planning and and building is under the mayor's department. To, That's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, put together something that kind of explains it a bit better to people yes. who are moving here and yep. want to build or, or just want to have a better general understanding of, of why things are the way they are. Oh, I agree. Um, I didn't know as much about zoning and planning as I do now, primarily because um, when I went on to the zoning board, I had paid a lot of attention to the to comprehensive plan of 99. But when I, when I was brought onto the zoning board in 2000, I was the first Democrat in years. I had no idea... Um, what uh, the ZBA was all about. I had yeah. some idea, but, um, and I what, didn't really understand the intricacies of planning and zoning. And it was a great experience to attend these programs that were being offered uh, by the Planning Federation, by the New York State uh, Department of State. Uh, a lot of these programs were very, very helpful uh, in terms of understanding the importance of good planning and zoning. 
Also, the importance of good government. I mean, just the idea of the open meetings laws and things of that sort yeah. that, that they touched upon. That was extremely helpful when I was ser serving on the city council. Um, I really think that uh, having that kind of a background is important. Ron Kim was also on the the ZBA. He, we both served as as uh, as uh, chairs. I was chair in two thousand and five and two thousand and six. He was chair in two thousand and four. Um, obviously, we have a lot in common. We did that. We both served as commissioner of public safety. That's it, Robin. It's um, very interesting though because you you do have a lot of commonalities in your background. Yeah. You couldn't be more different candidates from what I see and from what I know. <laughs> well, and I don't so know. But Ron was always a friend of mine, and we always got along, and we always supported each other. Uh, Ron was one of my biggest supporters when I was running. Um, he donated uh, to my substantially to my first campaign. He said he donated to my second campaign and very substantially to my third campaign. So, I mean, he was a supporter of me when he was running for. Um, Oh, for, he wanted to run for Congress up in the 21st district. I, I, I donated to that. Uh, I supported him when he was running for mayor this time. Um, I, I, my reason for running now has to do with the fact that um, as I was paying attention to what was going on in the city, now that I have more time on my hands, it's like my practice, uh, my dental practice, uh, I'm no, no longer involved in, in that. I've, I've sold my practice. And uh, I was very disappointed with a lot of what I was seeing. I, in fact, I was reminded last night, um, one of the things I, I have forgotten, um, how surprised I was when Ron Kim first came into office and didn't have a city attorney in place or an yeah. assistant city attorney. And I remember talking to Tony Izzo uh, late in December, the December before Ron Kim took office and saying to Tony, so what's going on? And Tony said, he said, we don't know. We still don't know. And he was you know, quite concerned because he had been reappointed by Republicans and Democrats uh, for years and years. He had yeah. served, I think, for like 35 or 36 years as assistant city attorney. He didn't know. Um, and uh, at the at the very uh, last minute, we found out that uh, he was, Ron was not going to reappoint Ron, uh, uh, Vince D. Leonardis, who was a really great city attorney. And he wasn't going to appoint um, Tony Ice, that was assistant city attorney who has really tons of knowledge uh, about uh, institutional knowledge of the city. So that was a shame. Um, and so it was, I guess, a month and a half later that he decided to, from what I could well, gather, beg Tony to come back as the city attorney. There, there was a while there where he was asserting that he and his deputy, who's also an attorney, were going to operate and were going to do some of the functions of the city attorney position that they yeah. And that's hard to understand because we've had other mayors who are, have been attorneys and none of them decided that they could also serve as a city attorney. I think that was not a, a very a wise decision on Ron Kim's part, which, no, which again, which really surprised me. I believe he got reprimanded by our city court judges for, for attempting to do that. Yes, he did. Uh, it was not a good decision. And, it, you know, the, the city attorney needs to be uh, someone who is going to be available to serve all five departments right. uh, in, in the public safety department. We, dealt with the city attorney quite a bit and it was very important to have an assistant an assistant city attorney and a city attorney who were not necessarily uh, directly um uh, uh responsible to the mayor uh the city attorney has always uh, operated pretty independently uh, i had great respect for vince de leonardis and tony iso suffice um, to say if you're elected you will maintain the two city attorney positions absolutely and you really need a good city attorney who's going to um 
be independent, uh, certainly not uh, someone who is going to be with, you know, um, responsible primarily to the mayor. Right. Question for you. As I can imagine, it's going to be challenging as a three term public safety commissioner to now be in the position of being the mayor. How it seems to me that Mayor Kim has been pretty vocal and pretty outspoken about how the public safety department has been run. Um, do you how do you think you will manage being the mayor and not kind of stepping into that lane or do you anticipate kind of being more involved in public safety, even though you'll be in the mayoral position? Well, you know, public safety is one of the uh, busiest departments in the city. Public mm-hmm. safety and public works are certainly the busiest. Um, and, you know, 20, public safety is the 24 hour a day, seven day a week department. Yeah, um, it really is. And so there's an awful lot of, resp- a lot of responsibilities going on there. Um, I, as a public safety, as a former public safety commissioner, I really think that um, the, the knowledge that you have of the intricacies of how that department operates um, are important to have when you're mayor. And it's important to respect how that uh, that department works. And um, I was so surprised when Mayor Kim did not come to the defense of that department, did not come to the defense of the police, um, when Commissioner Montanino made some, I think, very questionable uh, decisions regarding uh, the department early uh, in his term. I think when someone comes into the city, onto the city council, and and has uh, the responsibility of overseeing these departments, you it's a learning experience. You don't make any major decisions about anything until you've been there for a while and absorb what your depart what your role should be and understand the people that you're working with and understand the fact that you know they have all these years of experience. They're professionals in the in law enforcement and, and the fire EMS department. Um, they're the professionals. You rely on their expertise. You don't come in and decide that you're going to el- immediately eliminate the position of assistant police chief yeah. as a whim. That made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Ron Kim made uh, a, didn't object to that at all. Uh, those yeah. are the kinds of things I think, you know, having had an experience as public safety commissioner, um, I think is is helpful as, as right. mayor. Because you understand when when someone's making those kinds of decisions that you need to speak up and and disagree. I've always felt that, um, you know, at the end of the day, the city council is accountable to the voters, right? During during elections like season, but on you know a day to day basis, and certainly at the city council table, the people that can really hold the city council accountable are the other city council members themselves. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's really important, and I don't see. I don't see that happening with this city council in a way that's productive or uh, effective. I, th- I see a lot of really nasty infighting, um, but I don't see them holding each other accountable uh, in a way that's profession- professional or in a way that the residents would like to see. No, um, I, again, I agree. Um, I was, I've been very disappointed to see, first of all, so little coordination among members of the council. Some of the, the, um, um, activities that take place at the city council te- uh, uh, table in live meetings, you say to yourself, wouldn't they have worked these things out on their own prior to the meetings? Uh, some of the stuff that they, that are, you know, they're calling to, in, into question regarding each other's uh, um, motivations uh, regarding their activities. I'm saying we were very good at trying to work these things out um, behind the scenes and during the pre-agenda meetings, to make sure everything is on, everybody is on board. 
um, those the amount of time that's spent uh, during council meetings over the past year and a half have been so wasteful because there's so little coordination. Um, it makes no it, sense to me at all. And that I think facilitating that is something that the mayor should be, should have been doing all the, all along. And, and you don't mean, and I think what you mean is like a lot of times we see that people don't have the correct information. They haven't seen the agenda item. They're they're missing you know, pieces here and there. So it's not that you're kind of hashing things out in a way that's not transparent before the meeting begins. No, I'm not talking about transparency. I'm talking about making sure that people on the council understand the, the the reasons behind uh, certain resolutions or, or, right. or certain actions, um, so that there are no no questions at the time that that, that they get to um, to the council meeting. If they have objections, if they have concerns, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they should be expressed publicly. Right. Um, but some of the stuff that I've heard uh, basically is just simply because um, members, other members of the council, didn't understand what was being put forth. That's that's not helpful. And it just makes those meetings last way too long. These meetings are, are much, much going on way too late. I'm a really big advocate of the open meetings law, the, the, the themes behind the open meetings law. Um, who's going to sit around and wait until 1130 or 12 o'clock to listen to these meetings? It's just wasteful and, un, un, and unnecessary and uncalled for. Do you think the extended four minute, going from two no. minutes to four minutes? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. Yeah. No, I, I don't think the four-minute thing is a really good idea. I, I just think you know, that allows people to ramble on and on. I think that people who have more extensive uh, concerns that you can't express within two minutes ought to be given the opportunity to submit their their concerns in writing and right. certainly have um, those uh, those letters uh, published on the city website so people can see what they're, what they're all about so that people have something to refer to. But I don't think that the four-minute uh, solution was a very good idea. Um, and again, I think that this was just one of many attempts that uh, the mayor had of trying to um, deal with the dissension that's been happening at the city council meetings. I don't think it was a good idea. Uh, Chris. This is a long time. And by the time you finish with public comment, again, you're pushing uh, the guts of the meeting back even farther. It's yeah. just too long. Chris, you, were, you, you ran a public safety as a Democrat. Uh, yes. You know, you know, for this election, uh, the Democratic Committee in Saratoga endorsed the incumbent, uh, Mayor yes. Kim. Mm -hmm. I know you've been supported by one Saratoga. You'll be on yep. that line, which is a independent, nonpartisan group of citizens who formed, I believe, when when uh, when Robin, when you won. Uh, I know that the, as a as a Rhino Republican, I know there was some interest in in you running on the Republican line from from yes. the Republicans. I'm I'm wondering why you chose the path to as a primary uh, instead of seeking another nomination from the Republican Party or just running as an independent. Yeah, so I have really great respect for Republicans in the city. I really do. Um, I yeah, I grew up in Saratoga Springs. It it was a city that was dominated by Republicans. N nearly everybody I knew was a Republican. Um, but I've never been a Republican. I've always been a Democrat. I was in a, I'm involved in the Democratic Committee for years. Um, you know, unlike Ron Kim, I've always been a Democrat. Yeah, and, Ron Kim has, just to in, I didn't mean to interrupt, Ron Kim actually was a Republican, which yes, I don't know a lot of people That's why he was on the CBA uh, before I was, because he was appointed by a Republican. He was a Republican. I was the first Democrat in years uh, on the CBA. Um, um, I was appointed by Ken Klotz. Um, I, I really think um, that it would, 
despite the fact that I, I enjoyed uh, meeting with the chair of the, of the Republican Party, a very nice man, and, and we had a nice conversation. I just thought that under the circumstances, um, it, it wouldn't be fair to them to, for, for them to, uh, to uh, endorse me um, because I really am a Democrat, and I just didn't feel that I could comfortably um, run on the Republican line. So I, I, just, thought, uh, yeah, I mean, it would have been a shortcut. I just but. have to say, like, I have a lot of respect for that decision because when I vote for someone on a Republican line or a Democratic line, I assume that they represent that party's ideology. Yeah. And so if I saw Chris Matisse on the Republican line, I would vote for you, assuming that you embodied that core ideology. And if you were doing that just as a, a runaround to win and you didn't represent that ideology, I would lose a lot of respect for you. And well, so, I was, you know, here I am. I, I'm the, I was committee chair for the Democratic, uh, local Democratic Party in District 21 for all these years. And what would all those people think if I was running as a Republican after all that time? I just don't think that that, that was the right thing to do. So, um, again, I again, I have I really do believe, as I said, I've, I've said in the past that I don't think most of this of the problems confronting the city are Democrat or Republican problems. I think they are problems that we can all uh work together on and, and reach uh, some solutions. Um, I really do think that national politics really has little to do, or national political labels has little to do with what's going on in the Saratoga Springs. I think Republicans or Democrats can come up with solutions. And I think there, are, there can be excellent candidates uh, from both parties. In the old days when they had nonpartisan elections, um, I've heard many people say that it, that was a better time. Yeah. People were more apt to run for office. It was easier to get people to run um, for various various positions, that was not necessarily a bad thing. So the one Saratoga ballot line is their their motto is city over party. Yes. And so I think what you're saying really embodies what the one Saratoga line is about. Exactly. I th I, I think uh, the idea behind Saratoga uh, one Saratoga is really exciting uh, yeah. because it might it may help to bring more people into uh, the the political field in Saratoga Springs. We really need more people to run for office. Look what's happening now. We have five people on this city council and two supervisors. We've got three people running for the two supervisor positions. We've got two people running for positions on the city council. Although um, I have to say that's, last not, that's, that's not very healthy. But last election cycle, I will say we had a record number of candidates running. Yes. So it is kind of like a strange thing. I have yep. two questions for you though. Um, one, can you tell us quickly who else is on the one Saratoga line with you? Yeah, Tim Cole is running uh, for the, for my old position and your old position, uh, Commissioner of Public Safety. Nice man, a really nice man. I spent a lot of time talking to him too, um, and uh, I, he he has the endorsement of the Republican Party. Uh, he has a long-standing uh, background in law enforcement, and I think he would bring a lot. Uh, uh, restore a lot of the, of the stability in the police department, and I think that's desperately needed. Um, which Michelle Madigan is running uh, for the, one of the the two supervisor positions. Uh, Michelle was commissioner of finance for ten years, and she was really excellent in that position. And Matt Veach is the uh, long longstanding uh, Republican uh, candidate uh, on the uh, super board of supervisors. He has a distinguished career. Um, on the Board of Supervisors, and I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of the uh, relationship between the city of Saratoga Springs and the Board of Supervisors. That's very important. I think Matt is, has served an important role. 
I, I served with Matt on the ZBA too, and of course his brother was uh, was police chief when I was the, I was a commissioner, um, and I know his family, and I have great admiration for the Beach family, so I think he's an excellent candidate too. Well, I have two questions for you, and one I don't mean to op- kind of open a can of worms with, but I'm I'm curious what your answer is. That's all right. Charter change has been an issue that's come up, you know, time and time again in the city, and especially with how few candidates are running this time around. How yes. do you feel about our city charter and is charter change something you still feel is necessary in Saratoga? This is Dr. Pepper, by the way, it's not beer or anything. Um, <laughs> um, charter change. So I have never, um, I have never, um, I have never not supported charter change. Every uh, iteration, uh, every attempt at charter change I've supported because I do believe that the, 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 the commission form of government um, it is for very, very many reasons, uh, is not a really good approach to, to local government in the city of such as ours, especially now that it's, it's a bigger city, more complex city, may work well in t- 1915. There are some real challenges there. Now, on the other hand, I think we need to give it a rest for a number of years. Yeah. Um, we've done this over and over again, and we're getting nowhere. And I think people are so well entrenched in, the, in their various camps on this, on this topic I would suggest just making the, the, the current form of government, the commercial form of government work as well as it can. It can work. It can work, um, yeah. especially if you have people um, on the, the council who understand it, yes. understand what their limitations are, and understand the incredible power that they have, um, but, I, and, but respect that power. I think, I think it can be made to work. It has worked. I mean, we've done a, a, enormous things important things here in Saratoga Springs. Long term, yes, I do think that someday we will be changing the charter. I think I would probably live to see that. Um, and I expect to be living for a long time. But I don't think there's any big rush to do that at this point in time. I think it's disruptive. It is really yeah. disruptive. Yeah. And right now, I think we need normalcy. I think yeah. we really need to step towards towards normalcy. Um, and may, you know, maybe in five or six years, maybe start thinking about that. But not right away. Absolutely not. Thank you for that answer. Sure. Um, other kind of slightly more superficial question, but um, any kind of most surprising moment in campaigning so far, um, or kind of best or worst moment, maybe? Well, in, in the I, I mean, I, the word the worst moment happened the other day because <laughs> I'm doing my own literature. A lot of my own literature drops. I have a lot of the people doing them too, but we have we have door hangers we're putting up. I, I have some here, um, and um, I was at a house and. Uh, so I'm putting these these door hangers up on the the, the doors of, of uh, Democrats in the city to encourage them to vote in the in the primary. And I was on Nelson Avenue, and I put a door hanger up, and I went to the next door. And I heard this rumbling, and I went. I, I heard something. I didn't know what it was, and I heard this man yell out, "What's this garbage?" And I turned I turned around, and there he was. He was looking at me, and I said, "Well, I just put a door hanger on your door to remind you about the primary on June 27th." Um, and he said, you're littering the neighborhood. And I expect this from, I, did, I don't think he knew who I was. I expect this from, from Kim. I don't ex- expect there's some Matisse and get this off my porch. Okay. So he insisted that I come over to his porch, pick up the, the, the door hanger that he had thrown on the floor and pick it up and, and walk away. So everybody's been so, almost almost everybody has been so nice. And the, during the petitions for the Democratic yeah. line, uh, the primary 
during the one Sarah Chogan petitions, uh, putting the, the door hangers, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people and almost everybody has been very receptive and understanding. But then there is also, you know, the kind of thing where you just never know what you're going to confront when you go to someone's door. I have to say, the one Saratoga people, the people who had signed those petitions, were very, very positive about having uh, the one Saratoga line. They really were. I ran into very little resistance there. That was easy. It was the easiest petitioning I've ever done. Because, again, I was on the Democratic Committee for years. I've been doing this door-to-door stuff for years for petitions. Um, that was so easy. People were very Adam, receptive to that. They really Adam were. and I had the same experience. When Adam yeah. and I petitioned for our independent battle line, I think we had a similar experience. People yeah. were just, they love the option of having another option. Absolutely. Um, They're very they, open. They really do. And and I will say, Adam, you I don't know if you would agree with me, but even people who didn't want to sign would be generally really polite about it. So to have someone kind of like snarl is, yeah. is kind most of it's people, fairly unusual. Most people are nice. I really, most people are very nice and it's a yeah. nice community. And But once in a while, I mean, and you don't, and you don't know, and, and you know, I, this is not the kind of activity for the faint of heart. Cause you really right. don't know when you're, when you're, when you're doing this. And really, yeah, I wish, I wish real quick, I wish more people as a candidate, I wish more people realize what you're, you're sacrificing your time, yes, your time yes. with your family, your time away from your, your profession, your job, yes, you you one, to yes, essentially you volunteer for this city. Right. Oh, I know. So, I know. so even if you don't support somebody, it, it, I would strongly urge citizens in this city to at least be respectful for the people who are putting themselves out there because it's not easy. It's not easy, you know, it wondering, is. are you going to wake up to some hit piece done in some oh, local yeah. paper or, oh, yeah. or yeah. It, it really is. You're doing this because it's not for the money. It's not for the power. Most people, it's mainly for, I hope for the, you're not the ability to make a change. <laughs> no, no, the 14 five. You know, I have to say, um, and I, I brought this up before, and I, I brought it up the other night too. I do think it's time that the city look at the fourteen five. Oh, fourteen absolutely. five had been been increased from from uh, fourteen in the early two thousands, and it never went up since then. And I really do think that that needs to be adjusted to take into account the costs of living increases over all those years, which are bringing around twenty four dollars or $25,000. And then there should be a cost of living adjustment uh, from that, that point on, because Here's... that shouldn't happen. Not for, not for my next term, no, but no. for the term after, they, that, that, should, that should be something for the city council to consider. My, and they should, my... they should be very upfront about that with the citizens. Everybody else in city government has been compensated um, fairly and, and... and members of the council have not, and that's not okay. So first of all, raising the deputy salaries without addressing the commissioner salaries was just yeah. asinine. It was just yeah. totally asinine. <clears throat> especially the first, opinion, especially the figures they were talking about when they were first talking about it. I know it was, was crazy. Yeah. But my suggestion to this city council, if anyone's listening, I've told this to many of them. This is actually the moment where an independent committee is actually warranted. Um, mm-hmm. I think they've formed so many committees; it's just ridiculous. But this is an yeah. instance where you put together a committee of people who yep. come up with a recommendation and you make it applicable to the next council that's elected. Yes, exactly. To the next council. Yeah. To the next council. This, and this is not the first time I brought this up. I brought this up when I was leaving the council. Yeah. Uh, I suggested to council members that, uh, again, obviously that wouldn't be affecting me because I was leaving the council at the time. It was 2017, but I said to them, um, this is not fair. You're, you are not being compensated fairly and, and no. be adjusted. Yeah. I think when I did the, when I did the math, I was making like $4 an hour or something. Yeah, like I know that. I did that too. <laughs> and then the only reason I was able to even run for the office was I that I, I went on the city's health insurance. And I know, 
Well, that that's the thing. other thing. You know, supposedly everybody in the city council is being paid the same, but that's not really true because I think a lot of other citizens don't understand that the members of the council do get a, a really um, interesting perk. They get free health insurance. And yeah, so when uh, when when I uh, started on the council, I had no idea that I was getting free health insurance. I walked into the office the, my very first day uh, and Danielle Willard said to me, so, you know, um, um, we're going to get cover your health insurance. I said, oh, well, how much will that be? And she said, nothing. And I said, you're kidding. Yeah. That's, um, so uh, for me, that's that was saving. Fran and I uh, were paying close to $12,000 a year for, for our, our, our dual health insurance, for, yeah, for a couple of health insurance. And for families, it was probably closer to $20,000 oh, a year. Oh, it was huge. But for Skip Chiracco, because his contract, he worked for the city so long, right. and his contract included that the city would pay for his health insurance any, right. ever, right. It, it was basically nothing. He was never getting no benefit at all. So right. when I was on the council, like John Frank was getting, for his entire family, was getting probably close to $20,000 extra in terms of re, uh, of coverage. I was getting about twelve, and Skip was getting nothing. Not, not I mean, fair. We should all be getting the same thing. I think the I health insurance thing. I think council members should have the opportunity to buy into it if they want, but they shouldn't be included. That should not be included. And that ten-year deal, where people who have been on the council for ten years get free health insurance forever, that That's is crazy, go. and that should That's go, go also. No, I agree. I think that has to be eliminated. I, and I will say, when I suggested to my husband that I was going to run for office, and I told him, you know, what I would make, he was like, uh, no. But then when I said the, the health insurance, he was like, I didn't know it at all. You know, we, we have four kids and he yes. owns a business. So that was almost $30,000 for us. Me, a year. That's where I was too. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was huge. But anyhow, um, Adam, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be asking so many questions. No, no, no. It, it, it was great. I know, you know, you got the election coming in, in, in 13 days. So yeah. I'm sure you have a lot to do. I guess, uh, you know, taking a lot of your time, but in closing, is there kind of your elevator pitch or your what you'd like for the citizens oh, to know, or the, or the democratic like, citizens? I'd like to mention one thing. I, I had the opportunity to um, see a, a piece that was on Channel 6 uh, yesterday. I, I saw it today where Ron Kim was insisting that uh, somehow when I was in office um, that I caused a delay for eight years of establishing the third fire EMS station. Which what? There, yeah, you have to watch it. Very unfair, uh, very unfair estimation of what happened. Uh, Ron Kim deserves credit for uh, the initial study for the basically which established the need for the third fire EMS station. When we were in office, we were trying to find a piece of land. He couldn't, and we were having trouble finding a piece of land. We found one piece of land, and the only reason we got involved in that uh, transaction was because it was the only one that was available. It was an excellent piece and was the only one available, but it did involve uh, an, an, a, a related transaction. The person who controlled that property wanted us to sell him the Calmer lot since he, it was the Aronsons. They owned the property next door. So we talked to the city attorney and they said, well, yes, you know, do it. Well, we did it because it was the only option we had. Imagine if we hadn't done that. Uh, the city attorney approved it. Um, all the all the numbers looked worked really well. It was a really good deal for the city. Imagine if we hadn't done that, if we hadn't made that effort. Um, the only reason it failed was because the um, Charities Bureau of the Attorney General's office uh, determined that the property on Union Avenue, which we thought was actually owned by the Aronsons, wasn't exactly owned by the Aronsons. It was, it was owned by a religious organization that was associated with the Aronsons. 
And so they determined that um, that organization was not getting the benefit that it should have. And so the deal didn't, never went through. Otherwise, it would have gone through. It would have been a win-win situation for the city. Uh, I feel badly we didn't get it. But I give great credit to uh, Meg Kelly, who deserves tons of credit for getting the Naira property. It's not exactly the, the ideal location for the third fire EMS station, but it's a great location. It's going to work really, really well for the city. Um, yes, I'm, it's nice that it's, it's being completed, but it's a shame that here these kinds of attacks being lodged by my opponent. And I'm just really tired of those kinds of things. It's it's just garbage, and it's just it's the worst kind of politics you can play, you know. And yeah. to, to mischaracterize the past that way, and I just have to say, not to toot her own horn, but Meg Kelly got that land and then turned it over to the public safety department, mm-hmm. and literally turned it over a month before the pandemic hit. The city went into a financial freefall. Yeah, I know. And still, we were able to push through. And with the finance department and the public safety department, we were able to get that property shovel ready yes. and tee it up and get it done in a time where, I mean, I didn't think there was any chance in hell we were able to get, we were going to be able to do an $8 million project when the city was in financial, was going to be financially devastated. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was a credit to Eileen Finneran. It was a credit to uh, Chief Dolan. Chief you, yes, it was. Absolutely. When we came into office, there were many, many people who were insisting that we didn't need the fire EMS station. We got the city to, um, I think, the entire community to understand the importance of that. We got uh, the city, the entire city council to approve a third fire EMS station. We came a long way from where we were when we first got into office. So it's important to, you know, give credit where credit is due. I give credit to Ron Kim when when he deserves it. Um, He seems not not to want to do the same. And then irony of ironies, the Aronsons still were able to buy the Colomer lot. Yes, they were. And the odd part is that they bought it for a price which was very consistent with the original appraisal that we had done um, in 2013. They, the, yeah. Our appraisal was 750 and they bought it for like 1.2, which is very consistent uh, because of the increase in, in, in property values in the area. We yeah. were sued by Tommy, uh, uh, Tommy McTighe who insisted that we were getting much too little uh, for the Calmer lot, yet he didn't sue uh, during the second round of negotiations. So I don't know, who knows? Almost like he was politically motivated. (laughs) Who who would think that, you know? (laughs) All right, well. Well, Thank you so much for joining us, Commissioner. Yeah. Uh, Hey, thank you both for for listening to me um, and giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Now, early voting starts on June 17th. Yes, I know. If you're a Democrat, you can go out and vote in the primary. Yes. Uh, the, pr- the day of the actual primary is June 27th. Yes. Uh, Chris Matisson will be on the ballot along with Ron Kim. So we encourage all Democrats to get out and vote. Tell your friends. Go vote, vote, vote. And then even better, make an informed vote. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so both much. Of you. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Commissioner. We appreciate it. Thank you. We're back. Yeah. Interesting. I know. There's always so much. I I feel bad, Adam, because there's always so much when I have another commissioner on or a former commissioner on, especially when they're a public, like former public safety commissioner. Like, you know, I could ask, I could talk forever. There's so many questions I I could ask. So I hope I didn't. No, no, it was good. It was a good talk. But you know, speaking of public safety, we it's there's there's been some other things going on in city business. There was a city council meeting. Um, last, uh, not last Tuesday, not yesterday, but a week ago, um, which was yeah. interesting, mainly just because of the, the public comment, um, 
public comment still continues to be kind of dominated by the BLM group. Uh, it was it was Mayor Kim struggling to keep control of the meeting, people talking past their time, people talking over them. Did you get a chance to watch public comment? I watched a bit of it. So I, for whatever, something was going on. I don't know why I couldn't watch the full meeting, but I caught a bit of it. And it is just, it's like a broken record, man. It is just like a broken record. It's the same thing every time. And listening to Ron Kim try to control that public comment is like, it's so cringy and sad. He just, cause he almost just sounds like so defeated and like feeble and trying to get control back. Like he's just pleading with people, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's totally ineffective. It's just a bummer. Yeah. It, it, it you, you know, the, 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 it seems like four out of the five city council members, uh, have kind of, or at least mayor Kim, um, commissioner Moran, uh, commissioner Shangvi have seemed to, to embrace people talking when they feel like talking and for how long yeah. they've talking. And this, this is kind of the center of everything that's going on is the lack of control or decorum in our meetings. Uh, I still, I find it interesting. You have, uh, you're starting to see more and more liberal and left people get up and kind of speak out against, against the, the local BLM chapter hijacking these meetings saying this is not a means to an end. And this is what we've been talking about. You had a man from Albany come down and say, listen, we've, we, we, we have to, you know, we have to work together to start to solve these issues. You had a man who, who was, you know, to, it seemed very liberal, very left, supports national BLMs, kind of speaking out against this lack of, of uh, ability for people to go up and speak at, at public comment unless they are, are kind of tote this far left BLM narrative. And it's, it, is, it is kind of, it's difficult to watch in our city. It is difficult to watch. And I also think that like, as a leader, you have to lead by example. And our city council is not doing that. They're not displaying decorum and professionalism and how they're acting. And so they're setting, they set the tone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about the, the, the slamming, the L's being slammed incident. You want to, you want to talk about oh, that? Yeah. So, so basically this kind of, actually it's kind of an interesting thing. So essentially what I what we've been observing over the last couple of weeks is that the police department, I guess at the direction of Commissioner Montanino, has been using social media and body camera footage to refute things that have been said at city council meetings about um, police activity or police actions. And so the latest round, I guess, and I, I missed this happening at the council, but I've read about it and heard about it and seen it on social now. I guess that Commissioner Moran said that Els uh, Figueroa, who is the head of Saratoga BLM, uh, when he was arrested, he was like slammed up against a wall and it was a very violent arrest was how it was characterized. Is that correct? Well, it was it was. It was so the first thing was whether he was being arrested or not. Uh, oh, right. And, whether it was yeah, exactly. And that's just, or... Yeah, exactly. That that I mean, he, he was being detained and whether he should have been put in handcuffs. Right. Uh, that, that's that's one thing where. Listen, if you're charged with a misdemeanor and you walk into a police station, um, the, the police put did put him in cuffs. They did they they didn't do a thorough search, but they patted him down. You have they to be cuffed, cuffed, right? What's that? You, so I so I don't know. This is when we kind of need a dance. So if you're charged with a misdemeanor, you still have to be like booked, correct? Like you I, right? That's the, yeah. That's that's my understanding. Yeah. And so so that was that was the first case of, right. of I was being whether and, and you know personally I'm I'm under the belief that yes the, the police you know there's just an incident in in England 
where a police officer was shot because a man was, you know, he, he was handcuffed lightly and he was able to get to his gun. And in, oh, yeah, in, you the, gotta, hold, yeah. in the holding room, he was shot. So listen, it, it is it is the unfortunate part of, of being charged with a crime is that you are detained uh, and put in handcuffs. Commissioner Moran made the accusation that he was slammed. Uh, he, he's then gone and apologized for that. But that was... That so, was it was just interesting seeing all this and it plays out on social media and in the basically news. Basically what happened was that so commissioner the commissioner Moran said this during a city council meeting. And then what I saw on Facebook was the Saratoga Springs Police Department on their page said at the behest of Commissioner Montenegro, uh, we're releasing this body camera footage of Els Figueroa being um, detained, arrested, whatever the terminology was. And it was the full video of the entire um, you know, incident of him being stopped, told what was going to happen, being patted down, uh, having handcuffs put on with his hands in front. And I have to say it was one of the most like gentle interactions between a police officer and someone being detained. Um, you could possibly imagine. I mean, it was polite. It was calm. It was quiet. It was, you know, he was every step of the way they said what they were doing. I mean, literally it was like, if you were going to rank it on Amazon, it was it was a five star transaction. It was professional by the book. There was nothing aggressive about it at all, at all. And yeah. on Elle's side, it's not like he was resisting or being an asshole or pushing back at all. I mean, it was literally. Yeah, he was there was, with his attorney. Yeah, his attorney was there. It was, it was a it was a nothing burger. It yeah. was there was nothing dramatic about it at all. Now, um, what 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 that led into is is the next Friday, last Friday at four p.m. There was a special meeting about a low barrier homeless shelter. Uh, yes. Commissioner Moran, in his defense, he did come out and he apologized for uh, using the terminology because, again, the, painting this picture of our police force as these thugs who, you know, yeah. bu bully and, and, and slam people against walls, it just does it it doesn't help. Uh, anybody, it's, it's there's no purpose. And, and Commissioner Randa, his his you know was on a Friday at 4 p.m. We're not a lot of people watching, but he did apologize for it. But let's let's talk about the low barrier shelter in this meeting and how this well, was kind of pushed through. Also, really quickly, it's not the first time this is this mischaracterization of the police has happened. Like this is on the heels of uh, I think Ron Kim right. saying that the police were waiting in riot gear. In full riot and, gear, yes. So this, yeah. is, this so this is kind of like a pattern that during a city council meeting, the police are depicted doing something like very extreme. When in fact, there's no truth in it at all. Yeah. So I'm happy that they're they're. I mean, not happy, but I think it's a good thing that this this is being cleared up through body camera footage. So this continued, you know, stream of misinformation is cleared up. But I also think it's just fuck, excuse my language, but it's pathetic that we're having to do this with our city leaders. You know what I mean? And our police department. They were having to do this kind of like a little merry-go-round of of, you know, sorting yeah. out this information. It's just like, Jesus. I mean, yeah, this is, we talked about this before in the show, how much, how many, how, how much of our city's resources this yeah. is taking up. It is, it's yeah. just, it is, it is a shame, but uh, yeah. going to this, this, this low barrier shelter. That yeah. Was, low barrier shelter. So first what, of all, what, what do you think about the Friday 4 PM meeting about but this bullshit? It's bullshit. I, I'm sorry. What, what, what was the urgency of, of you, it was so necessary to have the city council meeting that they had to schedule it at a Friday at four o'clock. I didn't know what was happening. I'm I'm like a loser. I'm obsessed with these city council meetings. I like to watch all of them. I, I had no idea it was happening. I didn't see the notice go out. And so I wasn't able to watch it. It was, it's a significant, significant issue. 
of a low barrier shelter 24 7 365 being approved it's something that i've wanted in our city for years and years and years and so it's really something that i would have wanted to watch and i think it's something that a lot of our community would have wanted to weigh in on and so to schedule it at a friday at four o'clock is just total bullshit. they should have just waited until monday or tuesday and made it at a time where the public could actually watch it and had time to put out proper announcements and inform people so they could weigh in and watch and I mean, that's that's good government, you know, to me, that's good government. But of course, they didn't do that. So um, so long story short, it was approved. This this low barrier shelter was approved. Um, it's it's I'm kind of unclear on the timeline here. I guess they've been working on it for a while. It's already up and running on Adelphi Street. There's already, I guess, people staying there. Um, I think there's 10 beds so far. There's like TVs, sofas, beds. Um Sonny and Julie Bonaccio uh, were a huge part of this, as was Meg Kelly. I only know this because uh, Mayor Kim mentioned it like 10,000 times in the League of Women Voters Forum and praised them thoroughly as, you know, as they deserve. Um, RISE is the organization that's running it, um, but it is up and running. Now, Mayor Kim did also assert that there's no more homeless people at the Woodlawn Garage because this is open. I, f I find that to be a bit of a dubious claim. I'm not, I'm not sure... I'm not sure that's totally accurate. My, my, my guess is we're still going to have a few issues over at Woodlawn. But if I'm wrong, that's awesome, you know? Um, yeah, my, I, I, you know, there, was a, there wasn't a lot of public comment, but there, there was. There was well, of course the people, there wasn't. Who knew it was happening? Yeah, but the people who did know what happened, you know, you had neighbors in this area come out and say, this is, this is a serious issue that we're taking on and that it, it needed more planning, more input. Uh, I, I just I, I'm, I'm just scared having something like this so close to the, our corn or downtown area. Uh, I don't know. There was a really interesting special on CNN and they since they, they pulled it, but it was called What Happened to San Francisco. Yeah. And, 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 and the problem is, is that it's once you open up this 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 low barrier shelter, there's no this is not. And people say, well, it's, you know, most of these people are from Saratoga. I don't believe that for one second. I don't think I don't think any of these advocacy groups are going to release numbers on this because they know it, 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 it becomes a it becomes, a, a, you know, if you build it, they will come. I don't think this is going to solve our homelessness issue. Right. This is going to relieve some of the homelessness issue from our surrounding areas. Again, I, I hope I'm wrong, but but right now are you know our core and, and there were the stories and i've seen this you know you, you know the, the this narrative that and there this certainly is true that the, the homelessness is is somebody who's just fallen on tough times need a little help to get back that's certainly the case and everybody needs help you know every not everybody needs help but these are human beings and i'm very sympathetic to that and i understand that people need uh sometimes just a little boost in life to to get over a really difficult patch but there's also there's so many more complexities into this. There's substance abuse, there's mental health disorders, and and none of that I think is being comprehensively addressed. It's more just slapping a bandaid to say we did this, and it's just going to exasperate the problem, and it's not going to solve what what, what you know the homelessness issue in Saratoga, because well, it's it, there's no restraints on who who can anybody can come. First of all, politicians can't solve homelessness. Like let's just like put that right out there. You know especially what I mean? Especially not local ones, right? Especially not local ones. But first of all, I don't, I, and I don't know the answer to this. Maybe you do. One of the things that when I was on the uh, collaborative to end homelessness and on many of these task force, one of the things that we thought was so critical um, if we were to open a 24-7, 365 shelter was to have services um, at, at that shelter, social services, 
like permanently at that shelter, such that when we had this kind of captive population, we could hopefully connect some of those folks with social services and try to help them transition into some other kind of housing so that it wasn't just an emergency drop-in shelter. Do you know if those types of services are going to be provided at this Adelphi Street location? I don't. I will say this. I have incredible respect for Rise, who's running it. And I think by sometimes I think they are misguided. I think they are, they do, they do, uh, they're great at planning. I saw how they operate in homelessness court. They know, they know our homeless population. They know their needs. So the, what's the old, there's a substance abuse building there. The old, uh, it was an old car dealership. Uh, Over on South Broadway, you mean? Yeah. Oh, it's County Mental, County Mental Health. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so theoretically there's, there's services there. Again, I, you know, this is this might be the, the the conservative in me, but I I think I think the idea that that a homelessness shelter needs to be downtown because the the homelessness need to connect with the city is a little misguided. I think a, a lot of them demonstrate antisocial behaviors. I think they do need the ability to go shopping, uh, to 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 be uh, you know be on a bus line to be able to if they get a job to be able to transport to and from the the the, the, the job. I just am somebody who doesn't think it needs to be in our core. But again, is to me, again, the 24-7, 365 shelter was not someplace that people were going to be staying day in and day out. It was more of a, an emergency shelter for emergency use, like, sh- you know, shorter. Yeah, but I don't know how you regulate that, right? No, you no, I, I don't know either. Right, and this right. Is where, this is where Shelters of Saratoga, I feel like, has been so successful because they provide a transitional uh, service where, you know, they're, they have people who are in shelters of Saratoga for a three to four month stay while they transition them into a more permanent housing solution. Um, and to me, that has been such a successful model for our community and they do such a wonderful job with that. I would love to talk to Rise about this. We have invited them. I have invited them on this podcast. They have declined to come on because we are too, quote, political. I don't know if you know that, Adam. <laughs> But maybe they'll reconsider um, in light of this new shelter and maybe they'll come on and, and, and help us understand it a little bit more um, because I do I do think there's challenges. I do think there's concerns. I'm sure they've addressed some of them in a way that would be satisfactory to us. But, you know, we don't know. We don't know. Um, my other issue was that the city is funding this. The city basically wrote like a blank check for this. And that is insane to me because this is already something that we pay for as taxpayers through the county and through the state, quite frankly. And so I understand funding it temporarily, but we need to get the county involved. And I know that's one of the things that Commissioner Madigan is running on um, as she's running for county supervisor. We have to get the county involved in terms of funding this, because as you said, this there's I mean, there's absolutely no reality in which this is just for people in Saratoga Springs. We're going to be, this is going to be housing people from all over the county, if not region. And so it should not be the burden of Saratoga Springs taxpayers, but it's also already something we're paying for through social services at the county level. So why would we do some, why would we duplicate the tax that we're already paying or triplicate, make it you know, triplicate something we're already paying through the state and county. It just doesn't make any sense. And it could become enormously expensive. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really could. And, and it could become a, a, a big liability. I mean, this is this is a very complex issue that our city, why it, it feels good to say, hey, we opened this, you know, homelessness solved in Saratoga. 
it's not, I, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be, it's just going to exasperate the problem, lead to a big financial burden for our city. And it's, it's going to, it's not going to solve the problem of, of, of and, and, and when you, at the public comment, when you hear the people who live around uh, the, the code blue shelter now, it's, a lot of what they go through, it, it's, it's, you know, one story was somebody just stripped naked, started rolling in the snow, then, 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 then the ran towards the, is the same location as the, it's the same location. It's the, the same location. location. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you, you know, there was another story about a guy just defecating on a building and okay, well, I will say, I will say I lived four houses away from code blue for three winters and I'd had a wonderful experience. I did not have any negative experiences. So I, I think, you know, well, Keep, yeah, and I'm not saying, I, so I'm not, so again. Yeah. Your experience is, 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 is that's, that's great awesome. that you had that experience. I could say I have family who live close to the New England Presbyterian church when they tried right, to, right. And, and, and there were some really horrendous experiences by totally, its neighbors. Totally. So it is, it's, again, it comes back to this complex issue that our city council passes something, you know, I don't want to say the dead of night because, it, you know, in the more like but the it, middle of the day that, that, you know, they can run on, they can, you know, you know, homeless well, assault thing, in Saratoga, Adam. but. Without question, this was something that Ron Kim wanted to have happen before the primary on June 27th. It couldn't be more obvious to me. It was something he wanted to check off so he could campaign on it. And that's bullshit. And, and I have been a proponent for a 24 seven, 365 drop in shelter for a long time, a long time. I saw it as kind of the missing piece of a puzzle in Saratoga Springs in terms of how we deal with the homeless, because we have police officers who are being called to deal with homeless people on the street constantly, and they have nowhere to put them, nowhere to take them. No, you know, they can take them to the hospital. They could take them to county mental health. But but oftentimes they just needed a place to take them that was warm where they could stay the night. And this was not when, you know, in code blue wasn't open all year round. So I've always, this has always been something I've advocated for, but you need to do it responsibly and you need to do it through the proper procedures and, and doing something like this and taking it on is, is really complicated. And I'm sure, you know, maybe Rise has done that. I don't know. I just, I don't think they've been transparent enough about this. And I think pushing it through on a Friday at four o'clock is total crap. I think there's a lot of suspicious political motivations here. And um, I'd really like to get some more answers. All right. Well, we've gone over yeah. an hour. There's still so much I to know. talk about. Uh, I know. Next, next week, uh, I just want to put this in real quick. We're going to have a really interesting, unless something else crazy happens, talk about uh, there was a video of uh, high school kids viciously, viciously attacking a girl oh, in yeah. Congress Park. So we're going to get some insight, have some guests on about, about that incident and what's going on in our schools. Uh, the, yeah. the, and that will be the, hopefully we'll have Mayor Kim on. Uh, you know, maybe Dan and I can can uh, interview him again about some of his his thoughts on, on what is going on and why he, you know, the, this low barrier shelter and whatnot. But uh, in the meantime, should we go to cheers and jeers? Do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of school stuff that I think we should touch on. I, I, I would love to have that conversation next week. Um, cheers and cheers. Damn. Uh, oh, I know what I wanted to cheer. The Flag Day Parade. I love our little flag day parade. And I just wanted to cheer Saratoga pride because Saratoga pride asked my family if we wanted to march with them in this year's flag day parade. And Saratoga pride is just such a wonderful, inclusive group of people. And my kids and I had so much fun marching with them in the parade this year. And so I just wanted to cheer Saratoga pride and thank them for giving us that opportunity. It was awesome. It gave me all the feels 
And um, I love kind of these small, these kind of small town kind of celebrations. It's just, I just, I love them. Um, I'm going to jeer. Well, I've already jeered Ron Kim enough. So he's my standing jeer for this podcast. <laughs> All right. I, 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 I have a couple. One, uh, you know, in Lake Ave School, uh, my daughter, yes. this is, she's going to be moving up. This is her last oh. year. I know. She represents the second generation of Israels to graduate from that school. Uh, it's just the faculty, the staff, the school has been a, been amazing to my family. So for all the teachers and my kids, thank you. Uh, it was a really great experience there, and, and we'll miss going there. Wait, uh, I can't believe you're not going to be a pickup and drop-off anymore, dude. I, I know. I know. Well, my nieces will still be there, so maybe I'll pop in every now and then. All again. right. Uh, this is not quite a jeer, but a, a little, um, for the, for people who follow Steve Thurston and the foothill, the foothills, what business news, daily yeah. news, yeah. uh, Steve is, is hanging it up. Local journalism is tough. It's a, it's, it's hard yeah. to make money. Steve was at, if he wasn't at everything, he was close there. You know, he was reporting from the, the city council meetings. He was working hard. He, he, uh, I didn't always see eye to eye with him. But uh, I think he did it. It was a service he did for this community. And, and it's going to be his reporting is going to be missed because it really covered a lot of local local news. Um, fi final year is, is and I'll, I'll, I'll you know, completely 180 here. But uh, for, for those following the, what's happening with in, in Ukraine, uh, mm. Ukraine has started their counteroffensive right now. They're slowly taking back land. Uh, it's the counteroffensive. They're using modern uh, Western vehicles that are saving lives there. Uh, awesome. There's there's instance of, of Bradley's being blown up, but crews surviving. Uh, this is a really interesting time in this conflict, and it, it, you know prayers and thoughts are with the the fighters of Ukraine who are fighting for for all democracies and all freedoms. They're the front line right now against the tyrannical dictatorship so uh good luck out there men and women who are, who are fighting and, and, and putting your lives on the line for for your families your country and all the free people of the world so those are my cheers and jeers that was a beautiful sentiment and i'm gonna ruin it by saying i'm still traumatized by that shark video you sent me i think it's gone like fairly viral because i like heard about it on a podcast i was listening to last night oh yeah yeah for, for, there's a whole sect of people who there's so much uh video coming out from this conflict that's that you you become a, a little desensitized to but you understand you know there's this the, when i was over in ukraine the, the, the you would hear the saying often and say it's war. Uh, this is what happens in war. But there's some really heroic videos of Ukrainians and, you know, everybody now has GoPros and drones on the front line. So yeah, it's really interesting. People. But there was, there was a, a Russian who was uh, who, swimming. who swimming in Egypt and he had a lot of bad things to say about the Ukrainians who were killed. And there was, they, he was, he was, he was uh, attacked and killed by a, a shark and it was pretty. And it was like the most fucked up shark attack I've ever seen. It was disturbing on, I mean, if you're really into shark attacks and you want to see the most disturbing shark attack ever, Google Russian being eaten by shark. It was, like I said, I'm I'm still traumatized. It, I, yeah, I it's going to be a while before I go deep into the sea. I'll tell you that. Yeah, anyway. yeah. But, I was like, ooh. <laughs> anyway, but on that note. It's war. Anyway. Yes. All right, it's well, hey. Ocean and on land. Great, great show. We ran a little long today, but we covered a lot of great things. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. All right. See you next week. All right. Over and out.